This podcast is produced by Unedited. We are proud to announce that we are now in association with PRS for Music M Magazine and the Ivers Academy. And this is a special bonus episode for our first series before we launch Series 2 next year. My name's Louise Golby. I'm an independent artist and I've been writing and performing my own music for quite a while now. As a songwriter myself, I'm very interested in the art of songwriting, how song ideas come about, what triggers certain lyrics or how a melody or musical idea is started. In this series, I've interviewed some of the UK's leading songwriters and artists, discussing their songwriting techniques and stories behind their biggest songs and collaborations. My guests have written tracks for the likes of Stevie Wonder, Tina Turner and Cher, as well as receiving MBEs, Grammys, Ivan Novellos and number one singles for their work. I hope you've enjoyed listening to the first series of our podcast as much as I have making it, and I hope it's given you an opportunity to discover more of their music through my specially curated playlists. My guest is a platinum-selling, number one hit-writing songwriter, producer and artist from West London. He's worked with some of the industry's top artists and songwriters in the pop, grime and dance world, including Charlie XCX, Becky Hill, Marina and the Diamonds, Newton Faulkner and Gavin James. He first caught the attention of the music industry after producing a track for Wiley and Giggs in 2011, before signing his publishing deal and fastly becoming in high demand as a songwriter and producer. Under the name Slang, he has his own artist project, which is a hybrid of rap and mainstream pop, with a supergroup band made up of Ryan Keane and Toby Faulkner. And most recently, with his long-time dance production duo Kaleidoscopes, he is behind a number one single. My guest is none other than Dan Dare, who I'm honoured to say I've had the pleasure of working with myself. I opened with a question I have been asking all of my guests. If I was to introduce you with just one song, what would it be? Oh my God, oh my God, this feeling's just begun I'm saying things I've never said, doing things I've never done Oh my God, oh my God, when I see you I should it right But I'm frozen in motion and my head tells me to stop the song actually Head and Heart came about through uh, it's, it was started by Johnny the other half of, of Kaleidoscopes he was sitting on the toilet when he come up with a bump 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 <laughs> no like, he was actually he was actually taking a dump so uh, <laughs> the funny part of that song was it started on the toilet um, and yeah he, he kind of he showed me the idea that day and he's like oh what do you think of this and I was like that's yeah that's amazing let's work on it let's get it into a good place um because the the next day we was going to see rob harvey in leeds who's the other co-writer on the song so we got we got the song to a good place uh got into a playable demo kind of state and then we went to to leeds and and showed rob the idea um like the beat and 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 the, the chorus hook and um we were like let's 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 finish this together this kind of like all tap into this this idea and yeah we wrote we wrote the verse the verse is the same melody as the as the hook um we tried a load of different melodies and we're like this is so catchy it needs to be in the song as much as possible um and then yeah we came we came up with a with a with the verses and yeah it was the song was done in about two hours weirdly um nice. it always kind of works out like that uh yeah the song was the song was done in two hours then we kind of drove around Leeds. Uh, on the way home, like just just bumping it in the car, getting really excited about it because we knew it was a knew it was a special song. 
Um, and yeah, that's kind of how Head and Heart, the idea was born. That was in September last year. And then skip forward, I don't know, what was it, like nine months, Robert took the parts and he was showing it to a few people. And uh, he just had a hit with Joel Corey. We didn't know he sent it to Joel. We um, kind of find out after um, when we was in America and then kind of all the information started flooded through. And then Johnny, the other half of Kaleidoscopes, was singing the original demo. And he's the bum bum bums are still him on the song. Um, okay. So that's still Johnny's voice. So that's from the original demo that we did in Leeds. And Eminike wrote the pre-chorus, which really like tied it all in together. Because we did, we at first we didn't think it needed a pre-chorus. We were kind of like a bit stubborn on that. We were like, it's so catchy from start to finish. But Eminike is is an incredible artist, an incredible writer. He put his spin on on the whole song, you know. And the way he sung the song really sold the writing, sold the vibe. Yeah. He's just a superstar. He's, he's amazing. Yeah, he is. So the the lyric Head and Heart, as in the title of it, was that was it already the title of the song before you took it to the other people or, or was that something that came up with Eminem? Uh, so we wrote the lyrics when we got to Leeds uh, for the verse, sorry. And then we were, I was saying to Rob, I was like, how do we tie this into Johnny's amazing idea of the bum, bum, bums? Obviously a bum, bum, bum is, is like you can say it's your heart. And then we kind of, yeah, all agreed that it should be like my heart goes bum, bum, bum. Um, mm. So that really like cemented the name between like when we say my head and my heart, I can't tell them apart. <laughs> so it was just, yeah, because it was it was called the Bum 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 song on Johnny's laptop at first and we struggled to find the beat after. <laughs> so, yeah. Excellent. So when Joel Corey and Emily K got brought onto the track, uh, were you guys all in the same room um, when Emily K was coming up with his ideas or was it all done remotely? No, it's just... Um, yeah, that happened remotely because it was locked down. Um, mm. uh, so that kind of, that didn't help him with us in the room. And it would have just been too many cooks in the room anyway. So, But I've known Uzo, I've known Eminike since he was 15 years old. So it was amazing to hear him on that record and like have some success with him because he's, I've not, yeah, I just, it's just like the way the world works is crazy. You know, we used to share a studio for three years and um, we never oh. worked together in that time because we, we, it was kind of like, we were having day slots and night slots, day slots, night slots. So we were just keeping it busy. And he's one of the hardest working guys. So it was uh, as soon as we finished our studio session, he was there till <laughs> one, two in the morning, getting the night bus home. So, oh, wow. so yeah, but we wasn't, we wasn't there when it was all finished. We, we had a, a constant kind of um, line of communication with Joel. Uh, Joel was finishing it with Emanike. Okay. And Rob, who you mentioned, do you always collaborate with him for your Kaleidoscopes project or was this like a one-off or This was the first time I'd been like gassing up Johnny to to Rob because Rob's a great songwriter. So I was I was saying to to Rob, look, you've got to meet this Johnny guy. He's come over from Australia because there, there was a period of time where me and Johnny, well, Johnny was back in Australia and we wasn't working as much because yeah. we were both homeless. We didn't have any money. You know, it was really like, we was in really like sticky situation. And that was, a, it was like, I think we had signed a deal with Humble Angel Kieran, Kieran Donahue, and we kind of, yeah, we uh, we met up in Dubai. We got Johnny got a flight from Australia to Dubai. I got one from London to Dubai, and we we sat in a hotel for two weeks and wrote music. And that kind of kickstarted the whole Kaleidoscopes thing again because we've been Kaleidoscopes was born in two thousand and fourteen, 
And I, I was just banging on about Rob and banging on about Johnny saying we should write together. It'd be a great collaboration. And that was the first song that we did together. Brilliant. Wow. So many amazing, amazing accolades with that song. So that must have just been when you found out it went to number one, because was that your first number one single that you've been collaborated on? Yeah, it's the first number one single I've had. Uh, I was a part of a number one album with Marina and the Diamonds back 2012. That was just like some production work on the album. But yeah, this is the first ever UK number one single, which is, yeah, it was great. It was great. We was in Malta. We kind of like, me and Johnny predicted it. So we like, Funnily enough, when we was in Leeds, me, Rob and Johnny all shook on it. We said, this song's the number one. Let's put Amazing. it out there into the universe. I know people say that a lot at the end of sessions, like, this is the banger, this is the banger. Yeah, play it to your manager. But this actually, <laughs> like, we were like convinced this was great. And it was like uh, one of the biggest selling songs of the year. It's not yeah, just, it wasn't just number one. It was like I the say something. Oh, I want to say something about the, the actually how the charts work as well. There's a thing called ACR, which means if you sell less in three consecutive weeks, ACR means you basically have to do double the amount of streams to be in the charts. So technically, we're still number two in the charts in on the amount of sales. And we were number one for many more weeks. But ACR stops people like Ed Sheeran, like One Direction, staying in the charts for that long, which right. is crazy, which is like is insane because Joel's a new artist and he would have still been number two and number one for the consecutive weeks. So it would have been the longest running number one. You know, it oh, could have beat records, uh, which is really... <laughs> Yeah, it's re- really bit bittersweet, but it's like it, it is what it is. That's the rules, and um, yeah, it's well, it's been an amazing run, and it continues to grow. So excellent. To be honest, though, either way, six weeks at number one and is 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 like yeah, it's, it's really long still. And you got knocked off by Cardi B and Megan The Stallion, didn't you? Yeah, that must have did. been a weird feeling. We lost by a hundred <laughs> hundred units or something like that. Oh, Selavi, But yeah, it was it was a great run. Let's talk about your journey as a songwriter. Yeah, sure. Um, at first, I would consider myself a beat maker. I used to make beats. I come from the grime scene. So, yeah, I was doing pirate radio stations, working with people like Wiley and the grime lot. There was a lot of, like, amazing rappers, amazing grime people that I was working with. But in my mind, I didn't really want to do that. I kind of wanted to use my grime style or urban style of production and do it with pop music and kind of trying to grow that way into a songwriter because I love I love different types of music. I wasn't just into the whole grime thing and making beats. So actually how it worked, the, like the universe works in weird ways, but I started working with um, a guy called Nick Worthington who who ran 679 Records. Who was I was introduced by Chantel Fiddy, who was like the queen of grime. She was I just know like, Chantel. Yeah, she's great. She's unbelievable. And she like saw something in me and Zed Dot from early, introduced us to Nick Worthington, who then like, yeah, he stuck us, in, we shared a studio of Rudimental and M&EK for three years and learned so much in that time. And then, like, yeah, really, like, honed in on on the songwriting and 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 ideas. So, yeah, it, that that it started as a beat maker. Then, kind of, I realized I have to be more to be successful in what I want to do. You can't just stand behind the the piano or, or, or the computer. Um, and that's and that's when I really started writing songs. And then I met Toby Faulkner and I met Ryan Keane, and then we started living together. And that's when I really started to learn about songwriting because they're really great songwriters. And yeah, just picked up stuff along the way and kind of like soaked up all the the sessions I was in with the biggest people, with the smallest people. Everyone, you know, was kind of, you can't really rate like that because everyone is one song away from being a huge star or one song away from being the next big thing. So mm-hmm. um, I learned so much from everyone. 
uh, where where I was doing the 10,000 hours in my mind, I was like, you got to work as hard as possible, put in as much time. And then, then I signed a publishing deal and then kind of really started working with more songwriters and, and more signed artists and getting more cuts. Excellent. So actually, let's talk about some of your collabs. So you mentioned about Wiley, the yeah. Wiley Giggs track. How did that yeah. come about in the first place? Do you remember where you were and when that um, I was sitting at home watching TV. I get a phone call from Wiley. Like for me, like when I'm like 20 years old, getting a phone call from Wiley. And it, he was the man at the moment, you know, I was just like, this guy's a G and he's just so sound. And, um, and yeah, so I rang Zed. I was like, Zed, I'm coming to your house. Like we're going to the studio in, in Bermondsey. It was a Maloko studio. And then we'd kind of turn up. We would, like me and Zed used to work rogue. We used to just have like shitty little laptops, you know, and just turn up in these big studios and just plug in, plug in our aux wire. And there'd be like all this amazing equipment. And we're just like, yeah, plug into our Fruity Loops. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then we just like, we would, we didn't even use keyboards back then. We were using the keypads on, on the laptop. And I remember going there, we walked in and like half of South London is there. Giggs is there. Wiley's there. Oh, I can't remember who else was there. There was like some other people there, some other artists. And wow. it was such a like magical environment because it was so almost like for a young kid just coming into that environment, it was a bit daunting. But we just sat down and we knew that our beats would, would do the talking. So yeah, we kind of, yeah, just sat down, played the beat. And then Wiley's like, bang, you know, on this. He puts a verse on it. We, like, there was a few versions. We had like Retch on it. We had Gigs on it. We had J2K on it. Wiley was trying to get Drake on it. Oh my gosh. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wiley, he's, he's mad like that. He's, he's so good. He's, he's just like, when he gets his eyes on the prize, he goes and does it, you know, so. Yeah. Bright lights. You said that that opened up to your publishing deal, so that was obviously a big track, significant yeah. to your career. Wow. That's huge, yeah. And then you've also worked with Charlie XCX, Newton Faulkner, Becky Hill, Louise Goldie, yep. any day. Yep. <laughs> yeah, um, all great artists. All great. Um, but how's it all going? Because obviously since the number one, you've had more opportunities, but you've worked with some massive names before this song. Yeah. So tell me what it's like collaborating. Do you Are you always in the room with the artists? Are you often given... A, a pitch by the record label? You know, how do you work when you're working, especially with a female uh, artist? You know, like... Sure. Has, yeah. I mean, it, it varies really because it's like people have their writers who they like working with and people have their producers who they like working with. And if they found their like musical soulmate, they don't really want to have like outside kind of influence, which is understandable because mm. if, it, if it's working, don't, like if it's not broken, don't try and fix it. So success is one thing and then hype is another thing. The industry is all hype based. People look at who wrote the song and they say, oh, we should get in with this person, blah, 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 blah. But honestly, nothing has changed since we wrote that song. Nothing will change since we wrote that song. Just our mentality. We're still the same songwriters. We still write the same songs. Now people just believe our ideas even more. So yeah. there's a bit of that. But yeah, we just, we've been working really hard. We, like, we haven't stopped for the last... Well, the last, I'd say the last seven months, me and Johnny every day just 
in the studio. We've built a studio in Soho. We've like it's still under construction, but we're getting there and like we're making right. this nice hub of our own kind of yeah, our own our own music and our own vibe. And it's been great. We've been working with some some incredible people. Do you think, you know, because of lockdown, it's weirdly helped your kind of productivity and creativity because you've had more time and you've had like artists have had more time to work yeah. with you guys or or, or do you, been, I mean, yeah, it's hard to know, isn't it? Yeah, I, I really can't tell. I mean, it, the kind of having a hit and then all the things that come off the back of that in a normal world, you know, if, 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 if there wasn't a COVID situation, if there wasn't Corona, it would be so different, the experience. Mm. I mean, because we'd be out, you know. You celebrated. <laughs> celebrated party. We did celebrate, but it's just like, it's it's mm. different, isn't it? It's a different feeling. Um, mm. But it's all good. This is just the, it's the times, you know, that we live in. Me, The good thing about it, me and Johnny only live 15 minutes apart, so I can walk to his house in 15 minutes. And during the, uh, the Corona and the COVID, because we were working, it wasn't like we were out going to restaurants, mixing with people. We It was totally legit. So we were working every day. That's the only thing that really kept us sane, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Which is, you know, I, I can't watch TV. I, I'm I'm just a workaholic. So my diary from from morning to night is, is jam-packed full. I'm <laughs> always trying to work, always trying to better myself and try and create opportunities for me and, and my friends and you know, everyone around me. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think I'm really glad that I had, I could write and record at home during lockdown because it definitely helped me, yeah, keep sane and be productive. Yeah, I mean, um, this is, yeah. in, it's, and your gigs are like, yeah, that's the, I know that you gig a lot and that must have been a massive dilemma for you because... Yeah, what do you I do? really missed performing, but... Um, yeah, what about yourself? Because obviously, well, we're, we're going to talk about your artist project shortly. Yeah. Because obviously, oh, well, we can talk about it now if you like, actually. Sure. You don't have to do the questions in order. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so slang, obviously, I've come to see you guys quite a lot um, yeah. over the years. But talk about that because I want, I want to kind of know whether the songwriting for your artist project is obviously a different kind of approach because it's very personal yeah. and your lyrics are very personal. So maybe tell us a little bit about your songwriting for that, for your artist well, project. with slang, I don't really... I don't have anything to hide. Just put it all out there, you know. I talk about suicide, talk about drugs, talk about bad relationships, good relationships, good people, bad people. I have no limits with that. Um, and the great thing about the Slang Project is, for me, at the beginning, it was totally therapy, you know. Like, it started, the, the Slang Project started with me and Ryan, Ryan Keane. We we were living in this, in this crack house. Like, honestly, it was a crack house. It was... It was it was a house we were subletting from someone else, but we were homeless at the time, so we were just getting by. And the night we moved in, police raided the house. You know, that's how that's how mad it was. There was bailiffs coming every day looking for the owner, and we were just like, just hiding, just making this music. And we started the slang project. Ryan was like, we had a song, "You're Right, Yeah," that we wrote in uh, in Hackney like three years before that. And I was like, I really want to get back doing this. So we started the slang project, and then it kind of became more of my personal story rather than it being being me and Ryan and Ryan Ryan had Ryan Keane anyway he was he he was smashing it with that so yeah. um he kind of just helped me really write the songs and kind of put like a the 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 the, the musicality to it with the guitar you know we used to sit for hours and just noodle with ideas and talk about experiences and stuff that we had been through mm-hmm. um which was amazing for both of us you know it was really therapeutic and 
yeah, it was my first time being in the front man of anything. And it was great that I got to do it with Lee, Lee Levent and, and Toby Faulkner, who who are like two of my best friends and, and Ryan, who's my best friend. Like we, yeah, it was, it was magical. It was so much fun. It wasn't like doing music. It was just like having, having fun with your mates. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And like I said, it's like a super group, isn't it? With Ryan Keane, who's already established and toured with Ed Sheeran and yeah. Toby Faulkner, who's obviously Newman Faulkner's brother yeah. so is that have you kind of put that on the shelf now is this an exclusive no. or, or you said it as if you were talking about the past but I guess it's because of the touring and gigs yeah. aren't happening right that is the past yeah. at the moment and things things have changed you know like Lee's had had a child and he's got another child on the way and mm-hmm. you know like Toby's got a child on the way and everyone's growing up and it's like you can't be like 21 running around doing drugs and, and drinking every five minutes and it's like it's not that anymore it's like we just love being on the road and ha- kind of touring and being carefree, but in a beautiful way, you know, where it's about the music and about friendship and about mm. the love of our friends. Cause it's really, it's, it's such a different feeling being on stage with, with those three guys and which is going to be amazing with kaleidoscopes uh, when yeah. me and Johnny start touring because we're the best of friends as well. And, you know, we, we love to have fun, but we know when we work, we work hard, play hard. Definitely. That's, that's, that's mm. what we do. Because I saw you support, you supported the Manor at um, the Roundhouse. That was a yeah. big gig, wasn't it? With Slang. But there's yeah. there's a thing about with your writing is it's really upbeat melodies, but actually what you're saying is is quite dark because you're talking about yeah. you know things that have happened to you. Deep so stuff. It's, yeah. it's a really amazing kind of combination of that, like really poignant lyric. But when you're watching the gig, if you're not listening to lyrics, it's, they're all really upbeat, happy songs, and there's such a good vibe. question um so when when you are writing for say female artists do you have to think yeah. about obviously their range and the keys that they sing in and yeah do you often kind of prepare stuff in advance like we did when when I came and did a, yeah. my session with you and you had something in advance that you kind of had already prepared yeah um but how or do you kind of change depending on different people? it depends on the person because some some people are more musical than others some people are just singers some people are just like all round kind of artists that they're involved in all parts of the artistry. Some people just like vibes, some people like lyrics. So it mm. really, de- it really depends. And a lot of the time we just sit down recently, we've just been sitting down with female artists being like, what is the best, what is your best key? What do you sing in the best, you know? Yeah. And let's try and write it like that. And then we can move it accordingly to whoever, if it's for you or we're pitching it, we can move it up the scale, down the scale, whatever. There's no, there's no rules really. I, we don't like having rules. But it's obviously if to get the best out of someone, you've got to kind of accommodate to 
you know, their vibe. So that's definitely something we keep in mind. So do you kind of do your research and think, well, this, like say you did start the the session with an instrumental that you already had ready. Yeah. You kind of think, right, this is going to be in that person's vibe, which is what you did with me. You kind of... Yeah, you played, you played me something because you'd already listened to what I already do and, and it worked really well. And then we wrote that song really quickly, actually, didn't we? I remember yeah. it was really, I love that. I love it when ideas just come quick, but that doesn't it's always happen, days. does it? Yeah. Like, no. and, and do you ever get frustrated when you are in a session and you feel like there's pressure from a label that, to get a song done? Or Well, it's it, the, the thing about songwriting is the dynamics are always different in the room with different people, you know? Some people yeah. might be better at words, some people might be better at, Melody, some people might have be having a good melody there or a bad word day. So you can't really say it's, you know, people have their strengths and you always stick to your strengths. And yeah, it's like we like we did a writing, we did a session, like a writing like for Mabel in her in her for her album. And it was just full of incredible songwriters, you know, and like people coming in and out, people getting involved, really like chipping in here, there and everywhere that, that gave us like an amazing product at the end of it. But so that that could also go like the other way where people would just clash with their ideas if someone's so hell-bent on that. And that's why it's always about giving leeway to the idea and always believing in someone's idea, you know, because it might not be the, the most natural place for you to go. Yeah. Um, and it's a collaboration at the end of the day. And if you get to the day, end of the day and the song's not not great, it's like it's not the end of the world. You just crack on and be like, I'm, I'm really talented. Just keep remi- reminding yourself that and... You know, just on to the next one because tomorrow you just might might write the song of your life or you might write another rubbish song, but just keep going. That that's that's my thing. And like the reality is everyone's just trying to write the same song, just their different version of it, you know? <laughs> and and that's it. Everyone's yeah. trying to write a radio song. It's true. And at the moment, especially now there's no clubs, I've exactly. heard that, you know, house producers are now really focusing on getting, you know, vocally led commercial radio friendly songs because yeah. there's no clubs to play the like your minimal yeah. house and whatever and it's really kind of it's yeah, yeah okay. it's a different it's changed. yeah it's different changed beast. it's changed other people's writing and everything um, yeah. do, do you ever get nervous when you're with like an artist that you like a big artist I I think I remember you nearly had a session with Ariana Grande in America yeah. is that right yeah yeah there was it's just it's just that's just America. It's LA, isn't it? You one minute you're you're having a coffee, and next minute you're in Rihanna's house. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it, it, it's. I mean, I used to really struggle with um, with anxiety going to sessions because I used to feel out of my depth. I used to because I come from a beat making background. I don't come from a songwriting background. I would always doubt my ability to do those things because mm. I got thrown in at the deep end. You know, like one of my first songwriting sessions was with, with Marina and Diamonds. So it was like. And she's an amazing artist. So I was like, and I, I did, I, I did the thing where I was like, oh yeah, do listen to all their music, look them up, blah, 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 blah. Because for me, it was such a big thing. Mm. Um, reality is you just go in there and just be yourself. Um, and regardless, you know, so it, you might really click with someone, you might not click with someone. It's just, that's just the way the cookie crumbles. You can't be a master of all, you know? Yeah. Um, but you can definitely give your your strong point of view and, and your strong strong ideas.
So I wanted to talk a little bit more about kaleidoscopes, just because you, I mean, yeah. you touched on it earlier. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you've already told us how you met and that you weren't living in the same country at the yeah. time. Um, yeah, well, well, with kaleidoscopes, we're, um, we signed a record deal to APG Atlantic uh, in the US. Uh, so we signed to uh, Mike Karen and Bailey Small, who, yeah, who, who their, their kind of track record speaks for itself. You know, they're huge. Wait, was it? It was March this year. Wow. Um, and that was that was during the time that lockdown was happening. We was there on March the 13th. We had to fly back because we couldn't get insured, blah, 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 blah. We was over there doing sessions um, after signing the deal. And yeah, we we just been working really hard. We got some, we're working with some great, great people. You know, we got we got a lot of collaborations in the pipeline. Excellent. What it's it's hard because we're writing songs for others, but also writing songs for ourselves, and kind of what who's is that your song? Is that our song? Is it because we're an artist? We have an artist project. It's always like, you know, what who, what's the vibe today? You know, um, so yeah, you can't it, dro- name drop anyone of no, I can, no. <laughs> it's just people who we work with, people who we are like we've been working with, like you people would have seen it online, like. Sagala yeah. and Good Boys and Sonny Federa and Gavin James and you know like Ella F like Ray like all these people are just people we work with that potentially we can bring songs out with mostly because we've had a hit but also our project like we our project's amazing you know um, so we stand by that and uh, we have some great great music lined up you know um, and and APG and Atlantic have high hopes for us so. We're really gassed about about the Kaleidoscopes project. But yeah, we would like to be touring. We would like to be kind of living off the back of other stuff. And um, it's just not the case. So we're just releasing music as we can. Yeah. And yeah, it all, it all started really organically. We signed a deal with, with Kieran Donahue from Humble Angel. And um, yeah, it's just grown from then. And he's grown with us. And we're all in business together now with, with Atlantic and ABG. And yeah, we just crack on. That's great. Congratulations. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> um, so I wanted to ask like, whether you think your songwriting technique has changed, like developed over the years. Do you feel, or do you feel like you still kind of have that same approach when you first started? Or do you think uh, from experience you kind of... It's definitely changed. It changes uh, monthly, it changes yearly, it changes weekly. It's like, it's a forever... You know, you can't be ignorant and be like, oh, I know best because nobody knows best, you know. Um, mm-hmm. There's formulas and there's way to do things. But also it's it's an idea. It, this is an idea game. The music game is an idea game. I don't care how good you're at, you are at producing. I don't care how good you are on the keys. I don't care how well you sing. It's all about ideas, finding the right idea. And that's what makes great A&Rs. That's what makes great songwriters and great producers is finding the idea and expanding on it knowing that that's good and that fits in that place and this many people will like it. It's, it's sometimes it's a lottery because, you know, you can, you can be in a mood one day, but it's like, it's all about the idea. It's all about the idea. People used to get a Kanye West because he couldn't play the piano. It's like, this guy's one of the best producers ever, you know? <laughs> he had all the best ideas. Yeah. He had, you know, it's just like, there's this, this snobbery in music sometimes with, with players and people who have trained to be jazz musicians and people, and it's just like, okay, cool. That that's great. You can go and judge your mate if he plays the piano better than you because you train for eight years. But commercial music doesn't really work like that. And a lot of the time, people turn their nose up at it. But that is, you know, well, I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure if you played head and heart in a 
in a jazzy way or a classical way. Some I see someone play in a, a piano cover. It was in, incredible. I was like, that's an incredible piece of music. So yeah. whatever way it's I, put out. Actually, Adam Ross, who plays keyboards in my band, you know, yeah. in, back in the day when we used to have gigs, um, he <laughs> he actually produced an acoustic version for m It was just m and and I think two backing singers and him on the piano. I'm not sure what it was for. It was filmed. I nice. think I tagged you in it, but I'll, I'll send you a link. But it's really good. Nice. What is your what is the song you're most proud of as a songwriter? So it doesn't have to be your most commercial, but the one like say musically that you're like, yeah, this this is proper songwriting, or this is kind of yeah. Uh, there's so many. There's so many on the hard drive that I, uh, that has never been released um, that I love. But it's just like what you like and what you make is two different things. Um, it's like all the music I listen to, I could never make it because that's not musically where my mind goes. But I don't know, there's, there's a track on the slang slang uh, mixtape called um, uh, Pure, which is featuring Newton Faulkner. Um, it's just it's just me really digging deep into like uh, addiction and like suicide and like um, being, being a toxic person in a relationship with another toxic person and like, you know, having this kind of realisation at the end of it. Um, yeah, that is... It's, the whole thing was just really hard to put together but it, the way that I, I wrote it down felt really liberating to me um, so that's that's a very like um, personal but special song to me I've been such a broken man since we broke up putting coke up my nose every day you lost your dad and I wasn't there for you I think about that shit all the time shit was so complex in my little mind I couldn't take the pressure and I thought about taking mine all the time The timing was so bad Going mad with depression I'll be coming home from sessions Egging myself on to jump When you thought I had the hump I was really just fucked up Just a kid still dealing with my issues Every tissue tells a different story We can never hate each other And for my part I'm sorry A lot of the kaleidoscope stuff we write is really like like it means something t- to me and Johnny. So, um, yeah, if you can make dance dance bangers with meaning, that's kind of just our goal, really. We don't want it to be that. That I'm not saying everything's throwaway in dance music, but there's a lot. There's if you put a lot more thought into it and use your like your songwriting head, you can really achieve like amazing things with the same kind of melodies, and the same kind of production. You know. So yeah, I, I would say pure. Um, but also the, the record foundations that we released with Jasmine Thompson, the, the the Kaleidoscopes record. Yeah, it's just all about friendship and grounding yourself and never forgetting where you come from. And so good. Yeah, I love. So the final question is: Sure. What song do you wish you'd written, and what is it about that song that you just like? Wow, I wish I'd written that. What a song. Um. I don't, I don't know. I've never, ever actually thought that about a song. I've never thought, I wish I wrote that song. But saying that, weirdly enough, I was listening to a mixtape by Potter Paper. He's a rapper. He's like a, a UK rapper. He's great. I, ju- I just recently discovered him. My brother used to talk about him all the time. And he had this song called When I Was Little. And he just released a video to it. And I saw it on my Instagram. And I listened to it. And I could... I, I was like, I, I actually wish I wrote this song because I relate to it so much. It's just all the things I used to do when I was younger, mm-hmm. you know, like bunking the bus to go to central London and like 
just doing the maddest things that you do when, when, when you're kids and doing all nighters and like waking up in weird places and like your mum worrying about you and all these other things. And that just like the n- nostalgia effect that that had on me was just like, oh, actually, I could have wrote that song and I, and I wish I did. And it, I could say any song. I could say like, oh, it's red in, blah, 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 blah. But yeah, I, I love that music and I love listening to it in its entirety and, and, and try not to judge it because when you make music, you're like, oh, man, yeah, man. I, I just try to listen to it as it is, you know, because music's never finished. You can add a thousand million things, you know, yeah. and, and who decides when it's finished? You know, it's just you, what you take that <laughs> snare away now. It's finished. It's the, there's no rules, so... It's a good point. Do you, yeah. Is there not like a song that even if you've heard it thousands of times in your life, but you still it still gives you that feeling? Is there anything like that, like even like a classic yeah. song you can think of? Or I mean, the the Rihanna Diamond song, when I first heard, I know that it wasn't a massive, I don't know if it was a massive hit. I didn't look at the charts then, but yeah. I really loved it because it's like got Sia, I can hear Sia all over that song, you know? And the production was so simple and the kick was just like cutting through so nicely. I really love that Rihanna record, but there's so many amazing, like, like Anderson Pack. He's his first album Malibu was amazing. You know, from start to finish, it's just like a piece of art. Oh um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I would say the Rihanna Diamonds record and uh, and the Stay record. That was when I was Rihanna was like hitting a home run, um, and hopefully her new album this year really really picks up from the back end of that. If you want to know more about Dan Dare, please follow his Instagram page, which is at slang, and his Twitter page, which is at slangslanging. And you can listen to more of his work on our specially curated Amazon and Spotify playlists, which go alongside the podcast. If you want to know more about me, please go to louisegolby.com. Please check out my YouTube channel and all my music on all digital platforms too. Thank you so much, and I hope you've enjoyed this. This podcast is produced by Unedited.